Tis the season to shine with H&M. Discover the holiday collection and find fashionable pieces for your wardrobe or for under the tree. Get inspired and dazzle with this year's glam. From tuxedo styles, bow detailed pieces, impressive prints, and more. From unforgettable looks to unforgettable gifts. With fashion finds to home decor, find it all at H&M. Treat your loved ones and yourself this season. Shop in-store or at hm.com. survived i made it with five kids while my wife was in london uh we'll do a follow-up but uh today go to allthingscomedy.com we're doing a fundraiser to get a studio in hollywood and all the information is at all things comedy go to allthingscomedy.com nothing to promote i'm going to asia if you're in japan or vietnam look me up i'll be there all december today's guest from reality bites back my friend and comedian mo mandel this is hey 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 in the man cave you here say it in the man cave. That's perfect. That's perfect. That's perfect. All right, we're recording. I gotta turn right. off fucking slapstick. Um, this is fucking amazing. It's a, it's a, this room. Like I thought you thing. were just like just you know overplaying how amazing this man cave is on the podcast, but this is this is like inspirational. Motherfucker. How do I turn this goddamn TV off? She's naked. She's got really nice. Ah, man, I used to look forward to fucking nakedness when I was a kid. (laughs) You'd see one tit, and I could tell you where in a movie a tit was, because I'd go back and I'd find that tit later, and I'd jack off to it. Just just to the one tit? Just to the one tit. Name of the Rose was was a movie in the Name of the Rose. I think Christian Slater was in it, but he fucked a chick. Yeah. Jacked off to that. Just Christian Slater banging. Yeah, that, that's, Christian that's, Slater's that's... ass, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Someone's going to go, name of the rose. I think he was molested. Uh, uh. Um, yeah, I don't. Let's see. We're all, yeah, everything's working good. My parents only only had one. I mean, it certainly wasn't a porno, but they had this old, like, soft porn called The Unbearable Lightness of Bean. Uh, I read that book. You know that book? Yeah, I read that book when I started doing stand up in New York City. How the fuck did you end up reading that book? Uh, because it's like a weird, isn't it like a weird Hungarian love story? Or something? Uh, it is. I I have. I was telling you this before we started. I have like weird OCD shit, and one of my OCDs is. This is a fucking sound. It's just a just fucking a fucking fridge. weird. All right, just a fridge. <laughs> I I was doing podcasts with the AC on, and you just hear. I don't think people people don't give a shit, man. They want to be in the gutters, but I want to hear about this OCD stuff because I I was a major OCD sufferer myself. Really? Yeah, big time, and I still feel those urges all the time. Like I couldn't. I think it's the reason I was not really sexually promiscuous because. I would convince myself I had AIDS or herpes or something. I'd convince myself I had contracted something, and I would be spiraling until nothing showed up, and then I was like, and then I forgot about it. Yeah. But that first week, I'd just be like a fucking mess. Dude, I mean, I'm just out of a four and a half year relationship, and I completely forgot about the horror that you feel after sex. I mean, just oh, absolute shit. terror. I fucked someone. I haven't, I mean, I haven't fucked someone I don't own shit with in fucking 12 years. 
I mean, me and my wife have joint ventures, children and a house. and like. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, she doesn't want to give you a disease because it'll lower her own economic stock. Because her wish, money's going to pay for I your medical bills. I wish she had a disease just so I had that fucking security. That's like job security. What, that she couldn't leave you? Yeah, she, where's she going to go? Right. She's got That's a, a good conversation point. that she's got yeah. herpes with someone. She's not going to do that. All right, so this is the time I was most convinced I had a disease. Okay. So, I, uh, and then I'll tell mine. Okay, and, and then and then we'll show each other our actual doctor's notes to prove that we didn't actually have a disease. That's the worst Because this part. would be a bad story if I'm like, and then it turned out I did have AIDS. That's the worst <laughs> and then I just part cough about, on your kid. That's the worst part about You can't get it from coughing. That's Ebola. Actually, uh, you can't even get Ebola. I, I trust all the doctors from the 80s when it comes to AIDS. I still yeah. believe all those early, early statistics. I believed I would get AIDS. I, I was certain of it. Dude, Ebola, my friend's wife was bowling in the alley that that New York doctor was bowling in the day before he got his symptoms and bowled against a doctor's team. Isn't that fucking crazy? You know how quickly I believe I got Ebola? I thought I had Giardia after one swimming hole visit. Like, I... I, I so wait, go back. So th- you were saying, This is, by the way, the most interesting part about this is regular people, I think regular open-hearted people will genuinely believe they have a venereal disease at some point, that they contracted something from someone and make themselves crazy about it. But you always have to end with, but then I had nothing. Yeah, oh, you have to. You can't be like, yeah, it's crazy, but it turns out it wasn't herpes. (laughs) It was AIDS. And and no one one ever fucking buys it. Like, you gotta gotta really sell it, because I believed I had something. I believed I had something to the point where I got a second opinion, and then came back wow i've never gotten a second i got opinion. a second opinion because i was like bullshit and then ignored my second opinion was like he didn't know what he's fucking talking about either and then even told my wife just so you know i think i have something my wife's like you got nothing i'm looking at your dick you got nothing like i completely believed that well, how would you words. i completely believed it completely <laughs> like could not you could not have convinced you had me like otherwise. a little um, growth on your penis but what it turned out to be uh it's my circumcision it's from the circumcision. My circumcision has like has like folds in it, or you know, yeah, I'm circumcised. Okay, so that area is different than like the shaft part. Okay, so it's just like it's got like uh, you know whatever. It's a scar, obviously. So you were convinced, but so that means it's been there your whole life. But I noticed it working at Barnes and Noble after I fucked this chick without a condom, and I was like, and you know, you get into that moment where you're sitting in the bathroom at Barnes and Noble, killing time. All I was really doing was not wanting to work, and I was just sitting in the employee bathroom, and I w- you could sit there forever as long as you sat on the toilet. Yeah, I, mean, you, I guess technically you didn't have to sit on the toilet because no one there was just a single bathroom, but. Sitting there, <laughs> but you would. What else? Are you I would sit? sit on the toilet. You're not going to stand when you're when you're trying to be lazy. You're not going to stand. Interestingly enough, for those of you who know the story that I how I got fired from that Barnes and Noble, it was in that bathroom that I was I was like I'm killing time. I was like I should start doing sit ups in here, but it was a bathroom floor. So I was yeah. like, damn it, I can't do sit ups in a bathroom floor. And then it dawned on me I could do sit ups in the basement because no one's down in the basement. But in that bathroom, I was looking at my dick probably two days after having sex with this chick, looking at my dick, and I just convinced myself. I, I I I remember saying to myself, you know, I don't think I've ever really examined my dick. Like yeah. I don't ever think I've given a solid look. And you know, if you're at work and you're and you're not in the mood to work and you can't do sit ups because you're in a bathroom, yeah. that's a great opportunity to do some self exploration. And I, I'm going through, just, and I'm like, you're just <laughs> digging through the folds. Yeah, and I'm like, what well, this? Well, this area looks totally different than, and and now it's all of a sudden I'm like I'm like seeing it. I'm seeing I'm seeing the forest 
through the trees for the trees. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now I'm seeing the forest, and, but I'm seeing, but I'm also seeing trees and going, holy shit, the trees start right there. Like I'm looking at the forest going. For some reason, when you're seeing this forest trees thing, I'm imagining. Uh, the kids from Honey, I Shrunk the Kids when they're in the grass in front of the house. Like as if you got shrunk down, you were crawling around your own dick. <laughs> that's probably that's probably a very accurate analogy. And I just I just overthought it and went, motherfucker, why does this look so different? And then I was like, does it always look different? I've never yeah. really paid attention. I've never really... I've, I've played with my dick, but I've never really given thought to you why You played with your dick, but you hadn't studied it. I'd only had sex with like... This was my... So this is in college. Four, this is my fourth chick. No, this is in New York. This, I'm starting stand-up comedy. Okay. And what's, here's the thing. That's a problem, though, because you didn't use a condom. I did not. Because... It was the first time that I... Well, it's, it was my first technically one-night stand, and it... Tech, yeah, it was... Yeah, not even first. It was my first one-night stand. No questions asked. Did not wear a condom. Why can't they make condoms more wearable? I mean, you've been out of the game for so long, so you, you probably haven't worn a condom in nine presidents. I've, but it's fucking it's all I can feel when I'm having sex with a condom is uh, a panic that I'm going to lose my erection because it's like I can't feel shit. It's no. like I stick my condom. I stick a condom on my dick and then my dick basically goes to Narnia and I'm just back there like pumping away. It's like doing push ups and trying to pretend like you're enjoying yourself. It's like fucking with a condom is like doing bench press with 25s on each side. And you're yeah. just like, OK, I get it. Or like tens, and you're like, "Come on, this! I'm not feeling it. I'm not feeling." And you're burn. feeling like nothing. I'm gonna like, do this forever until I'm gonna hurt myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's and the worst is when you're having sex with a condom and you can't feel it. And the girl's like, "Does it feel good?" And you're like, "Oh, think back to acting class. How do I get the right moment to give myself a yes?" I got so freaked out about genital warts that I believed like I had these like sounds. Uh, I mean, you'd have to look at my lip, but you'd have to really look at my lip. Yeah. I believe that was part of it. I believed that these little, like, white... Oh, like, no, no. I mean, I, I'm... Uh, so, I, I, this is what happened to me, because I'm totally And honest. by the way, I don't have it. Okay, go. By the way, <laughs> for those of you at home, Bird is showing me a festering sore on the head of his penis that he's convinced himself is part of his circumcision. I don't know if he thinks his circumcision is on the head of your penis, but it is Theo's not on the got, top. Theo's got a great genital wart story. I'll tell you after this. Go. Keep going. All right. So basically what happened, I was in New York. I was about to go to South Africa to do comedy. You did the festival over there? Yeah, I did it, I did it twice. I did uh, Johannesburg and I did Cape Town. That was fun, but, fun. Oh, it's amazing. So right before, the week before I go, my brother gets evicted because he forgot to like pay his sublease or whatever. So I I ended up having to spend like... I never thought you had a brother. I thought you were an only child. I thought you met my brother. I know. I don't think I did. I know your mom, but but you're... But I, <laughs> Take it easy. <laughs> I know, but uh, there's so many stories I want to talk about. I So wait, so... So anyway, the point is we got evicted. I had to wear the same underwear for two days in New York City, walk around in the humidity. Then I went to Africa, and as I was in Africa, all of a sudden my dick like broke out in like the worst rash I've ever seen in my life. And it was like, you know when your knuckles get all white and flaky? It yeah. was like that all over my dick. For like eight days, it got worse and worse and worse, and I had to fly straight from there to my girlfriend at the time, family reunion in Myrtle Beach and I had just been dating her six months and so I had to fly there coming off a plane from Africa I'd be like I promise I did not cheat on you (laughs) by the way my dick looks like a fucking and I was in Africa yeah and I was in Africa (laughs) and I hadn't seen her for two weeks and I had to convince I'm like I didn't cheat on you but my dick does look like a fucking Lord of the Rings character one of those orcs faces or something so I'm just like I've got AIDS and she's like we're having this weird thing you know I go to the doctor it turns out I had a yeast infection Oh, you can from- get a yeast infection on your dick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not from a vagina, just from, like, life. This is going to sound gross, and I'm sure I shouldn't say this, but I can't help but tell the truth sometimes. I had a yeast infection on my tongue. Really? In college, yeah. I had, a like, a... I, I have one was- guess on how that happened. Ah, uh, that's my guess, too. <laughs> I'm sure... It, I'm sure... Ice cream. I'm sure... <laughs> 
That fucking you know natural so Ben funny? and Jerry's ice cream. You've gotten so much fucking funnier. Like, as the longer I've known you, or maybe you've always been that funny, and you just hit your stride. Really? The ice oh, cream line is what really won cream. you over as a com- as a, the confidence of my comedy? Yeah, because I wasn't thinking ice cream. You know, I gotta say this, though, Bert. You say That's interesting that you say that, but I don't know that you've ever seen me do stand-up comedy yeah, one time. Yeah. When? Uh, I think at the improv. When was that? I have no idea, but I remember hanging out with you afterwards and wanting to say, there's a story that I, one of my favorite stories about you ever, and there's two things I think about you. One, I think you're a fantastic host. I don't know if you know it yet, but I watched that audition thing you did for Comedy Central. I saw your set there, too. I saw your set. Weren't you, uh, didn't, weren't you in... Didn't you come into a set in a long time ago at the at the Cobb's Comedy Club? Oh yeah, but I mean you're talking oh six. Yeah, well yeah. Because so, when we when we worked, I haven't seen you do stand up in probably since we've been on that. TV yeah, show. we were on this TV or show no, together. I've seen you since then. Yeah, I've seen you since then. But but so when we were on that show, Reality Bites Back, I just moved here uh, from San Francisco, and so we were on the show in oh eight. But that was a really good. Uh, first lesson to me about how just in LA you can work with people on a TV show and all that and then never see them again basically Dude. because it's like I think I've seen you maybe six times since then in, uh, in all those years I've seen Donnell once I had a, I, you know me and Donnell didn't get along Donnell Rollins on that show it's we had another fucking incident a couple years ago are you serious yeah one of my favorite I mean I, I, I've never laughed so hard and you were not trying to be funny I, and Donnell it was on I'm I was sitting next to Schumer. Yeah. I was thinking I was sitting in between Schumer and Theo. And we're in the van on the 101. I don't know where the fuck we're going. Schumer and Theo are the only ones in the show that I still keep in touch with. Theo, of course, I've seen is Sh- one I've of seen my Schumer good buddies. Yeah. I text her every now and then because I, mean, I, I was at this casino the other day and I saw a giant poster of Michael Bolton right next to a giant poster of Amy Schumer. That's <laughs> so funny. I was like, damn, she's doing the Michael Bolton rooms now. It's crazy. Uh, Yeah. 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 Uh, the I try to ignore her ignore her career. Yeah. Just because so so you, you put a she's cut like, in your mouth. She's doing shit that I actually or in my bucket list of like <laughs> yeah, I know. writing a movie with Judd Apatow. <laughs> I know. I mean, she's doing shit that I go and I can't help but like we used to let her stay on our at our house. When we go out of town, we, I, we I, I, my wife would call Amy and go, Hey, if you want, you can house it and you can use our house for two weeks while we're gone and do auditions and meetings. Yeah. And so she and but hey, can you watch our fucking cat? And so she would do it. But uh, and then go get high with my sisters, and they would smoke her the fuck out because my sister lived down the street. I want to get back to this story. I'm all, all right. over the fucking. What, so is this Donnell Rollins story? Yeah, the van. Do you remember this conversation? <laughs> I mean, me and Donnell had. I mean, he was only on the show for two weeks, but I feel like there was just like a lot of beef with us the whole time. I don't, I don't even know what it was. But Donnell decides to tell you. You were very young at the time, and what you were doing is sometimes you were running bits like openly. You'd run a bit. You'd work a bit in front of in front of. Us, which was fine with like Theo, Amy, but someone like Donnell's been doing it like fucking, I think 70, like 30 years. Yeah. <laughs> like Donnell, I remember we're in the Donnell's band. that black guy. We're like, so are you like 36 or 140? It's kind of hard to tell. So He's got that Ian Edwards kind of vibe. <laughs> Don, Donnell goes, uh, Mo, you're not funny. Do you remember this conversation? Yeah, yeah, I do remember him saying he that. He goes, Mo, yeah. you're not funny. Yeah. And you go, no, I'm very funny. And he goes, no, you're not. And I remember him saying, has anyone in your life ever told you were, you were funny? And you said, my mom. <laughs> I hope I was trying, moment, I hope I was trying to be funny. No, you were not trying to be. You were being honest because you were like my mom. And 
I, it was it was the funniest thing you'd ever said, and we fell apart laughing in the back of the car. And I was grabbing, I would think I was grabbing Schumer's leg, squeezing it, going, "Oh my god!" And then he was like, "No," and Donnell was just so angry because you had just been funny, and he was like, "No, you got to understand, all of us in this van have been told we were funny by people other than our moms." <laughs> It was the meanwhile I had just won Comedy Central's national stand-up comedy competition. Why didn't yes. I why didn't I mention Comedy Central th- told me I was funny? Yeah. But Donnell Rollins fucking hated me. I didn't understand what it was. I do remember one point this is what pissed me off though, because I remember at one point <laughs> He really he, he hated you and Kyle Cease. Yeah, yeah. My, the funniest thing he ever said that whole show. By the way, do not want to be grouped in with him on any regard. Certainly not by Donnell Rollins hating this white chipper white people. I think of Kyle Cease every time I come in this man cave because he left his fucking watch here. Um, one uh, of the funniest things I've ever seen is the first day we were doing that show when you when we were playing poker with Kyle Cease and you when he went to the bathroom you're like let's rig the deck so Kyle gets a straight flush and we were like oh that's gonna be so funny so Kyle gets a straight flush and then. He has an emotional reaction to it. Do you remember that? He's like, oh, oh my God. I knew no. I knew if I keep oh, taking shit. online poker classes and I was believed right and, 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 and that I would be able to do this. Oh. And we were all looking at each other like, nope, oh, nope. this isn't funny anymore. This is just fucking crazy. Oh, no, and no. And no one God, ever no. told him. No one ever told him that we rigged the deck. Mo, and do you, do you remember Mo, do how you remember, awkward that was? Nope. Do you remember him? He said that and then he goes, this is a sign. Yeah, this is a sign. This is a sign I belong on this show, and this is a sign for me. Oh my god! Oh my god! It was one of the more awkward experiences I've ever had in my life. Oh, we were all just sitting around, like fucking, totally forgot about. Oh that. Oh my god, Bert! What what you did was was not funny anymore. Now you're just fucking with this poor kid's mind. And we never told him. We, <laughs> never like, told yeah, him. we don't feel and like he's playing. listening to this podcast. This is when he's finding out that there was no... Well, when he got kicked off the show three days later, he probably found out it wasn't a sign as well after printing out those stupid hats. But, uh, Dude, uh, there's so much about that show I could talk about. I remember uh, Chris Chris Fairbanks. Yeah. Oh, God. I see. He's a guy I've never seen since the show. Maybe Chris one Fairbanks, time. I've seen... I, I'm actually... I, yeah, I saw him right after the... You know what would be really heartbreaking for me right now? What? If I found out that you and all the other members of the show hang out like every Sunday. You're like, Tiffany Haddish calls you up. Hey, what's up, Bert? <laughs> Chris Fairbanks, the very first episode. Hold on. I'm all over the fucking map. Donnell Rollins said to Kyle Cease, when Kyle Cease, he came up, he had a week one, week two, he had hats made out, so he's going to change them for every week. Yeah. And he walked up to Donnell, and he had the hat on that said week one, and Donnell goes, that's right, son, you are the week one. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. <laughs> Donnell was making friends all over the place. Donnell, me and Red were probably the, I, that's who I hung out with the most, was Donnell oh, and Red. Red Grant, love it. I so love two it. years after the show, I see Red Grant on a, um, a plane, you know, uh, an airplane. And I had done some stuff after that. I think it was on Modern Family. I had done some, like, some legit acting stuff. So I ran into him on a plane, and he, and he was like, hey, what's up, man? You know, Red's always producing movies or stuff. Yeah. He's like, I told him, you know, he's like, so what you been up to? I told him, like, oh, Modern Family. I just shot a pilot for Fox, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, oh, it's great, man. You know, I think I got a part in this movie I'm making uh, that Bruce, I think you'd be really great for. Uh, give me your, uh, hit, hit up my person here, and I'll have them send your, your people the sides. I'm like, oh, this is great, you know? Sends me the sides. Waiter, one line. I was like, why the fuck did you even pitch me on this? And, and you want to send me the sides so I can audition for one line for your indie fucking urban comedy? Are you out of your mind? It was fucking it was so embarrassing. My agent goes, uh, is this this is the part you wanted me to track down? I'm like, thank you, William Morris. That's, that's what I, played, I want you doing. I played golf with Red 
He goes, you want to? He goes, he found out I play golf. He goes, let's yeah. play golf. So I said, great, I'd love to. He goes, great. You want to play at my course or at your course? I go, let's play at your course because I, I, I want to play a new course. Uh, I, I didn't even realize this. The course was in Compton. Sure, of course. Why? Of course. Why be? would there not be a golf course there? Why, right. <laughs> and so I went and I drove to the. And as we're, I'm driving into it, I'm like, oh, this is fucking sketchy as shit. Yeah. And then I pull in, and it's an all black golf course, and uh, and and black dudes play golf very different than white dudes. Like there is no problem talking shit. So I've always heard own. this black people, white people bit difference. I've never heard in regard to golf. This it is like was, some new black people, white people territory. It was. It was. You were. I mean, I remember just hearing people talking during my backswing, and I was like, "Are you like, are you fucking kidding me?" Well, if they're gonna talk during like uh, Schindler's List in the theater, they're gonna talk during your golf swing. <laughs> and like as you were putting, they're like, "No way, he's making this." <laughs> oh, there's a shit talking. I was just all shit. Oh, that's it was hilarious. like we were on a fucking basketball court and they were fucking talking trash and we it was we played in a threesome me red and, me, and two of his buddies and they talked shit the whole fucking time and i was like this is and it was a lot of fucking fun oh that so sounds great fun that sounds like the kind of golf i can get into yeah oh and so yeah that, but uh but so we go back to you and donnell oh okay so you know obviously me and donnell i i remember the final thing i said to him do you remember when he was like she was shit talking me really bad in the final episode when he came back and i said you know just because you're black doesn't mean I don't outweigh you by 80 pounds, and I don't think you could beat I mean, if you want to fucking – I, I kind of, like, challenge him to a fight a little bit. Like, I don't think I physically – like, I mean, you know, we were shooting a TV show, but I remember saying, because he was, like – he was giving me, like, bully attitude. And I said, look, dude, I'm not scared of you. You're a little guy. I don't care if you're from fucking Baltimore or whatever. And I remember you being like – Donnell would beat the shit out of you. And I was like, and I was like, I was like, I didn't understand it. I was like, and I still quite kind of don't really, but you were like so convinced he would I just didn't realize, demolish me. I didn't realize. Well, first of all, I, 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 I always look at upbringing as the thing that makes a better fighter. Sure. I'm not a good fighter either, but, but you, you're, but you, you came, you have, a, I remember you and your mom had, my mom said she was jealous of the relationship you had with your mom because you and your mom were very like loving, like you give her a hug out of nowhere and, and like. Like you, that's because I, I remember you and your mom having a really nice relationship. Your we, mom was we very a great funny. relationship, but like you and your mom were like solid. Like I was like, my mom was like, uh, she uh, she really loves her. They really get along. And but and I don't think did Donnell's mom even come. Uh, yeah, Don- no, his mom did come, and she was adorable. They looked exactly the same. Don't you remember that? Yeah, they yeah. looked exact. I mean, it's it was adorable. And look, I like Donnell. So I have a lot of respect for comics. So the second run. In? Well, hold on. So I want to back it up. Probably he would have beat the shit out of me. I mean, maybe I'm sure he probably would have won the fight. But my point was, it's not like your Red Grant, who I couldn't yes. even imagine in a million years agreeing to get in a fight with. Yes, you're It right. was like, come on, it's like dude. Dave Chappelle talking. Well, Dave Chappelle's swollen now. He's I like know. the biggest fuck. But it was like, dude, I'm not going to... I mean, if you if we get a fight, maybe I'll be the one with the bloody lip. If I'm not going to be skinny. I'm, I'm not, not gonna, fr- yeah. like, yeah, he's a skinny. Another thing with like, yeah, I was like, I'm not afraid of you. Yeah. You understand that? So stop trying to intimidate me because it's just, you're like a 45-year-old dude. I mean, just, it's just stop. Yeah. Comedy Central called me and they're like, I hear Donnell's being a fucking lunatic. Are you having a problem with him? I'm like, no, dude, whatever. This is, you know, they actually called me about it because really? the producer was like, this dude will not leave this other dude alone. He was being such a dick really? to me. I didn't realize how fucking in good shape you were until we did that f- the gain weight challenge. Oh, right. Um, oh, anyway, so me and him tested for this Comedy Central show. Like a year ago, I was up for this uh, lead in this Comedy Central sitcom, and they had they wanted us to chemistry test. And it was two brothers and then the side character who Donnell was playing. But the side character was just supposed to be high – and say, like, two lines in the whole scene. Like, Reggie Watts is the one to end up getting it. So that's an example of what he was supposed to be. But 
Donnell decided to take over the entire scene when it's a scene between two brothers, me and the other brother, two leads of the show. The show's called Bad Advice for My Brother. And then he took the side character, supposed to interject three lines, and make himself the center of the whole scene. So he just destroyed my whole audition. I was like doing the thing, and he'd be like, Ah, man, I'm so high! I'm so fucking high! Oh, no, no, no. I'm just screaming, and like, I'm just like, dude, what the fuck are you doing? Like, just what was Who ended up doing the brothers? They didn't cast anybody from the whole fucking thing. Uh, they kind of, I don't know. This show didn't get picked up anyway. But it was just like, I just remember being like, Motherfucker, dude. This guy came out of nowhere again <laughs> on another TV thing for Comedy See, Central. I used, to, I used to party with Donnell yeah. uh, back when I first started. Like, I, that, like that was like my late night group was like Donnell, Tony Woods. Uh, like I Barnes. love Tony Woods. I Tony opened Woods for him one time greatest. in Sacramento Punchline years ago. That motherfucker was hilarious, dude. No, but the thing I, I remember you showed me your Comedy Central thing. And, you're, and I remember, and I had hosted a bunch of... Before that, I'd hosted a ton. I'd, I'd hosted maybe twenty pilots at the time, and like wow. just like uh, hosting things. Yeah, that's how I made my money. Is I would I would just do those. You get ten grand a pop, yeah. and you just do them. And it was basically you're making sizzle reels for. It was like right. It was, it was like probably being at the the cusp of when porn went to to video, like. <laughs> You know, like, but like, because everyone had these cameras, and I'm everyone sorry, that, could make that's a not how I. That's not how I remember time, uh, <laughs> yeah. based on the mo- modality of pornography. Remember Boogie Nights? Remember Boogie Nights when they were like, <laughs> "Fuck it, it's tape. We can shoot all day." Do you remember that? Yeah, and I'll tell you, I saw something very depressing the other day. I was watching this documentary on Netflix called After Porn. What people, what porn starts to do after porn? One guy made this huge mistake where. He said every couple years there'd be like laser disc would come out or mini disc would come out. So he didn't really care about these new things because he thought video would always be around. These new things would come and go. So he signed a contract with this his newest contract. He was like, "Yeah, you can have all the rights to my DVDs, whatever this bullshit new thing DVDs." He said it was down there. He said after that I had to quit because that was all it was, and I had signed this contract that I didn't get anything off my DVDs. Oh, and he was like, "I basically had to retire." The uh, no, but that's what I was saying like that. When that went to video, it just was super easy. It didn't have to be shot on film anymore. Right, right. And so, um, yeah, because was... I remember you always tell me, like, somehow you had seen something. You were like, "You're going to be a great host. You're going to be a great I, host." You're, you're, you're just your intro to that thing that you had shot on the street with no fucking audio gear. You just shot it. Was like super personable. It's the same thing. I, I used to have a manager who'd say, "Funny's funny, even if it's shot on a fucking cell phone." Yeah, it's funny. Like you can't deny something funny. Well, and I actually. I have a show that I'm hosting, the first show I've ever hosted that's coming out on True TV December 3rd called Barmageddon. And um, I remember thinking while I was shooting it, like things that you had told me about hosting. I remember I talked to you one time at the comedy store and you're like, you just have to just, you just have to be enjoying it yeah. more than anybody else there. You, you have gotta, to be enjoying it. Just time. have a good time. And that's what I thought the whole time we were shooting because we were shooting five days a week. You know, we shot eight episodes in. 10 weeks so 8 weeks out of 10 I was in a different city Holy in bars shit. it was fucking it was intense and we were you know it was amazing I was drinking the entire time but I just kept thinking to myself like like you know you'd go to set someday or you have to show up and you're exhausted you're tired and just like I remember thinking what you told me like just find a way to enjoy it the whole time you don't have to be funny you just have to be having fun and I see the way it comes off and it comes off great it comes off yeah. like I'm just this guy guiding you through this fucking adventure you know and it's, it's, it's really truth. fun it's, and especially it, the other thing it does is it makes your crew happy yeah, and if you have a happy crew, you have a great show. Yeah, if absolutely. Crew, yeah. And you and I and I there's 27 people on the crew. 
It was fucking crazy. Who, who so I T I T V and um, it's on ITV. True TV. So dude, so it's called Barmageddon. You'd love this. What's the show? So it's by the people who did Wife Swap, and it's basically Bar Swap. So the first episode, we take a guy who runs this flaming drag queen gay bar in the middle of Hell's Kitchen. He has to go around a biker bar in Queens. And then the biker bar guy has to go around the gay bar you know, for a week. And yeah. they each have a chance to try to make changes and turn the profits around. Oh, and then I just go back and fuck forth up. fucking around, getting drunk, and you know, interviewing customers and hosting the shit. Oh, that's, that's going to be a good show. Yeah, it's awesome. So we shot like we're in New York, Chicago, Baltimore, uh, South Florida, Chicago. I mean, it, was, it was so much fun. And it was the first thing I'd ever hosted. I always wanted to be like an actor. And you know, I'd, I've done some acting. I was on a sitcom, blah, blah, blah. When I was doing this, I was like a bunch of acting. I mean, yeah, but when I did this, I was like, man, this is like so much more fun. It's like doing radio. It's like doing radio. You just click into this. I'm like, what you've been doing for years on stage, and then it's just like it. It really is like I see myself doing. I'm like, oh, I could do that. Like I really know how to do that, and I can get better at it. You know what it is 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 it is it is a different muscle than stand-up per se because stand-up has to be kind of you got to be on your game and know what you're saying next yeah it's it's like doing crowd work and it's a muscle that's very familiar to comedians i remember telling you this when we were at the whatchamacallit i, I, I was like i was like comics I, I, I would love to do it for more comics is just get them into a network get them a deal get them a pilot and and then be on set to be like what I just told you, or, you know, just have a really good time. Yeah. If you have a really good time, you're going to fucking love it. And you're going to love it because everyone's going to love you and you're going to love that reception. Yeah. It's like, and, 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 and everyone can laugh. If you say something funny, everyone can laugh. It's not like in a movie where everyone's got to not laugh. And it, there's so many. I mean, I love hosting, and I'll do and it when, forever. And I've seen, you know, I'm watching Trip Flip and all the stuff you do, it's like I see the way that you are interacting with people, like especially in that early moment where you're trying to like recruit people for the show. Yeah. It's like you're just doing crowd work, you know. Somebody says no, or somebody says yes, or somebody's maybe it's like boom, you always have a little thing or a little something to say there. And that was the same thing with the show. I'd have, you know, they'd make the changes in the bar, so I'd walk up to people, hey, so what do you think about the new margarita, you know, whatever. And then whenever they say, it's like, oh, then your stand-up brain kicks in. You find a way to spin it into something funny, you know. Yeah. You find a way to pull an interaction out of it. And them. sometimes when you just listen. They say fucking hilarious shit oh, totally. nonstop. Totally. Or sometimes when I'm not listening, I say even better stuff. Because like, we have an hour special coming out in like December 5th or something, 6th, for Trip Flip. And the guy's like, I guess the guy's, I just give the guys the couple the trip. And I'm like, all right, we're going. I can't tell you where we're going. And it's the only time I've ever done that. But I go, I will see you guys at the airport. And I didn't tell them my name. I didn't tell them anything. And the guy goes, should we exchange contacts and info? And I went, no. Like, but I was saying, like, in my head, I was like, no, because I, I have a producer who's going to do that later. Right, but, but you're just so was, casual. I was so casual. I was like, no. And then they were like, what? And I was like, yeah, I'll see you guys at the airport. <laughs> so it's like, you can see these guys are like, is this real? Is this a prank? But yeah, I, 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 there's That's a bunch funny, of guys man. I think would be, uh, they, it's like, I, I always say, I'll do this travel, cha- I'll do travel channel, I'll work a travel channel as long as they'll have me. Because, it's a great fucking job. Oh, well, I mean, your job is unbelievable. I mean, I, mean, I actually thought about your job. I was watching, because I was trying to, like, when we started shooting the show, you know, I just came back. I, I was gone for, you know, like I said, like two months. I just got back, like, a couple weeks ago. But I was, you know, I was watching Bourdain. I was watching you. I was watching guys that, like, you know, respect and are good at hosting or, and sort of able to be themselves. So that was always my scary thing with hosting. I got offered jobs before to host, but I was like, I don't want to, if it was a cheesy thing or something that didn't make sense to me, but I'm like, I love bars. This, I can be myself. But, I was watching an episode of your show where you went to the fucking Great Barrier Reef, and I was like in suburban Chicago, and I was like, uh, "That's a better job." <laughs> <laughs> it's, 
Dude, we leave for, that's a better job. We leave for Japan in a couple weeks. Oh, man. We go to v- Japan and Vietnam and... Uh, I mean, I can. If you ever twist your ankle while scuba diving or anything, you really got to pass my contact info over there, guys. This guys, is guys. Trip flip, host flip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know how like Leno used to come and host Letterman, or they would host each other's show. Me and you should do that when you go to Japan Dude, and I go to they Baltimore. Could not put me in Bar Rescue or Bar Bar Barmageddon. I would literally be. A it would be liability. fucking Art Armageddon as soon as be, you get on set. Oh, I've done. I did. Uh, I did a. I've, obviously, I've done a bunch of drinking shows. Everyone's always trying to get me to do a drinking show, and every time it's just same fucking outcome. They're like, it's like the first act's great, and then he, he just is like doing rants, and like towards the end of the show, I don't. Then get he just what got like really racist. Like, yeah, his shirt came off, and I don't know what the fuck to Dude, say. It's so about funny it. because when we first started shooting it, the producers. At first, they wanted me. They thought the joke would be I would just get fucking trashed every time. So they literally called me, and the guy goes, "I guess the guy, uh, oh, me and the, the guy at, at uh, True TV. I guess this guy like just doesn't drink or something." Because he goes, "So, um, how many drinks can you have per hour if we're shooting for eight hours and still be producible? Like four? I was like, "No, what? Are, have you are you have you had human alcohol before? What the fuck are you talking? Like I'll be dead per hour. Yeah, he's like, you know, if, if we shot like an eight hour day, you have like four an hour because we want to have you with a drink. I'm like, um, yeah, I'm not. I'm how, not from. Yeah. I'm not from Krypton. I don't. I don't know if you're. How aware. about let me be somewhat responsible <laughs> yeah. and not get fucking blotto. Right. <laughs> right. Right. I'm like, great. Let me just get blackout drunk and then you'll roll cameras and then my career will die. You're That'd the be perfect, perfect person for a show like that because I can see you actually focusing on the work at hand. As well as having a good time. Oh, you have to. I mean, that's the thing. Like, people are like, oh, man, you must have gotten late all the time you're in these bars. And it's like, sure, there is that element. But you know how it is. Like, you work. I mean, yeah. they're, they're constantly, got, you know, they're on a clock. They're like, all right, now you got to go interview this guy. you got to go to this guy. You, gotta, you know, there's so much There's so much story that goes on. Because it's a one-hour show. So it's like they're really doing the whole arc of, you know, the experience of these bar owners who are, it's just so funny because they're out of their element completely. I like that you idea. I mean, it's just like we took this guy, you know, it's just it's so funny because they, they have to deal with these staffs who they have no idea how to deal with these people. And they're just kind of going crazy but you know i have to kind of like be the neutral character you know what i mean so i have to kind of like constantly like make sure they're doing okay then make sure they're doing okay and you know go back and forth so yeah it's like i, I was like I, I could never do this if i was hammered but you have to be a little drunk just to kind of keep the vibe going the only thing that the only thing that's bad about hosting is you get it's really fun and it's really comfortable and you feel artistically you feel satisfied at the end of the day because you kind of did stand up and you wrote bits around like you, right. just, you feel like you've written but then you haven't done stand up and like that's the only thing that I'm I'm struggling with is like I'm doing this calling sick to work tour just to stay on the road at all. Yeah, because I can't I can't take off huge chunks. Like I can't go the one month off. I'm like I'm off right now. I can't go for Thursday to Monday, Thursday to Sunday. I can't right now. I, yeah. I can do it when we're out of production. So no, I, I totally part. feel you because we were shooting at night and it was kind of painful because I'd be in these cities I'd never really gotten to perform in like Chicago and like you know everybody be like oh you're in town you should come to this show come to this show I'm like yeah. uh, we shoot till one forty five a.m. is it cool if I if I pop by after that I'll slide in I'll slide in like when we go to Alaska I just did it in Pittsburgh I'll go in and do a set uh, like if I'm in town yeah I'll try to drop in and do a set uh, but it's dude it's, it's so hard because your crew's going out to eat and yeah yeah yeah, a yeah totally good dinner and you're like well, you know who so do you know this guy Adam Richmond yeah very well. you know him right oh for, yeah he's one of your yeah. coworkers so my whole crew is from his show hold on who who's your sound guy Beanie no not Beanie but uh, Peter but, yeah we had Peter was one of the Peter Fackler guy, tall thin guy yeah 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 Scott. Yeah. Like I know that crew. I, mean, I know that crew. Intimately. No, not Scott, but Cat Pappas was is the showrunner, and so and Al, you know Al Pop. 
No. Al Pop was our talent producer. Anyway, so most of the crew was from that show. Really? And you know um, uh, Daniel Kim Kimba? He was the the camera guy. Anyway, so you know Adam Richman obviously yeah. lost his show because of this tweeting thing. Yeah. So they all were supposed to go all over the world, and then Adam oh, Richman. Oh, it was his new show. I didn't know those guys. Yeah, yeah. So Adam Adam Richman, you know, had this whole show, uh, Man Finds Food or something. They're going to go all over the world. So this whole yeah. crew was supposed to be at the World Cup in Brazil. They're going to do all this amazing shit. And then he got on Twitter and had this whole Twitter rant. Yeah. You hear about this? Where he like, told I, someone to go. I, I talked to him about it, but I don't know. I think, I don't know if, I, I think the show... I don't know if it's gone forever. I think no, I don't think it's gone forever. Yeah. I think they suspended it for six months. It's on somewhere. hiatus. And yeah. I think I think that's I you know I don't. I think he got a raw deal. Raw deal. Personally, I don't know why. But the point is, the whole crew when they dropped me off my hotel was like, "Don't tweet." Oh yeah. Because we will all lose our jobs again. I mean, I just it made me realize like you're kind of responsible. Like with these people, you know, yeah, there's so many people working here that you could. You come at it from a very different angle. Comics come at it from a very different angle than straight up television personalities. Like Adam is a television personality. It's like yeah. how people know him. Like you got a fan base, a solid fan base that is dying for you to succeed. So until you get to the place where you're Adam, which is like, I mean, that's like Guy Fieri. Yeah, he's big. huge, huge. Like they're they're it's they're. They're anomalies. Like they're not people aren't supposed to get that big and basic cable, right? Uh, but then you have people coming at you like fucking everywhere, like like just shit that you just can't imagine. That'll never happen. That may happen to us, but that's not going to happen to us for a very long time right. because we have a base of comedy supporters who are like, "Oh, I saw Mo on Comedy Central. Oh, he's got a show. Oh, fucking awesome!" And then all you'll get is all the positive shit. What I think is so fucking funny though, especially with this Bill Cosby thing that's going on right now, Good God. is any time. Okay, I was just thinking about this. Okay, who's the worst guy now? Uh, comedy people, Bill Cosby. Or Daniel Tosh for saying a rape joke. You know what I mean? Bill Cosby would never say anything like that on stage, but maybe have gone out and raped a bunch of people. Or Daniel Tosh who says a rape joke and the nicest guy I, I, you can meet backstage. And I feel like that is the most number one thing I've learned in comedy. People who act like nice guys on stage and just always saying positive, nice shit are fucking sociopathic assholes and vice versa. The people I met, like Jim Norton, who go on stage and be a total asshole, such a sweet guy off stage, yeah. you know? And Jim, it's always it's, the case. It's always like, I don't know. I, I, I don't. I, the biggest thing that bums me out about all the Bill Crosby stuff is that now people are know Hannibal as the guy who told that one. Well, it's funny. I was at Hannibal's show. I was doing a show at the Knitting Factory in Brooklyn in June when I think he did that bit for what it felt like the first time because no one in the room Michael Che everybody who was there no one had ever heard before and they're like what the fuck and I just remember being like I didn't obviously know it was going to get this big but I was yeah, like but it, whoa this is weird such a fucking talented comic I'd hate if this is his it, I don't this, think it will be I think this will just be like one thing that'll be like a blip in the in the Hannibal Burr story because he's so talented he is also it's like man I mean I don't know rape charges are so scary because if they're not true it's just the worst the absolute worst and as a guy you know you're always one psychotic girl away from having half the people you know think you're a rapist if they just say that you're fucked yeah but at the same time you look at the amount of them coming out you're like well wait a minute that's kind of crazy well i think i don't know here's well i'll tell you what there's it's i think there's two sides of the fence i think number one if you put your dick out there like that if you fuck that many people and a rape charge like if someone says it I don't know. Maybe you're fucking numb to the fact of how you're interacting sexually with women because you're in rote. You know, you're fucking nonstop. Like, I, I've only had sex with like six chicks. But like, 
had a rape charge come to me, I would have fucking <laughs> so, lost my mind and been like, "Hold on, I was in love with her." Yeah, well, like, if you I fucking love, if Yulia, I, said I love you on the second date. If Yulia had sex with six girls and you already had a rape charge, those statistics are very not in your favor. <laughs> I mean, that's like a twenty-two percent rape. Statistic. There was, there was, a, uh, there was. Uh, there was and a, you got herpes, man. You had a terrible you, track record. You terrible. needed to get married. Uh, the, you had to get married. The, that one night stand I had, I told her I loved her in the middle of it because yeah. I, I was so used to saying I love you that I, I in the middle of it. Why used, were you so used to saying I love you? Because I'd never had sex with someone I wasn't in love with. Like I never fucked someone that I just. I never. It was the fourth chick I'd ever had sex with. Wow. I dated man. one girl for five years, one girl for two years. The other one was my first one. I lo- lost my virginity to. And and when did you lose your virginity? Seventeen. It was a fucking nightmare. Really? Why? I just didn't do it right. I, I mean, I wrote about it in my book, but I couldn't put the condom on right. Yeah. Like I was trying. I unrolled it all the way and then tried to slide it on like a sock. <laughs> and then there was air trapped in the. Oh yeah. So then every time I pushed down, it would inflate like a fucking. But then she thinks your dick's even bigger. Yeah, like that's Fred a good. Lindstrom. That's a good strategy. I was I was trying to squeeze the air out and making balloon animals at the end of the bed, and oh, then and then man. I got on top of her, put it in, and it happened really quick. Yeah. And then she looked at me and she's like, "Are you gonna put it in?" And I was like, "What?" And I looked yeah. down, my dick's between her butt cheek and the bed. I just basically think girls should not have sex till with any guy who's not like at least twenty five. Because I just I've never heard any girl tell me. Or, and I'm tell based that up, to the teachers in Florida, huh? Yeah, I mean <laughs> that's exactly what they've been telling the students for years. Why the fuck? What joy can you be like a twenty five year old teacher, a twenty seven year old teacher? What? How can you? What happens that you want to fuck a fifteen year old? Like I don't get what they'd want. In a fifteen-year-old boy, nothing. There's no experience. There's no. Oh, is, is the experience what's turn you off on that one? No. <laughs> he won't. Wait, he won't know his way around my shaft. You know, I need a fifteen-year-old boy. He's been in there in the trenches. No, 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 no. Like the females, the females. <laughs> oh, okay. The female teachers, not oh. the dude teachers. Motherfucker. Well, that's what you said. You're like, why? What is it? Okay. No, the, the fifteen-year-old. The, oh, the girls. The yeah, girls I don't that get fuck that. Fifteen-year-old and they're married. And you're I just don't like, get that. what the fuck? What that happened in my town. That, happened, uh, in ma- Tampa. Uh, that t- happens in Tampa once a year. That's how Tampa picks their new mayor. <laughs> Who's ever kid fucks the most teachers, that guy gets to be the mayor. That's I, it's, it's, By the way, if, you, if I had had sex, and I can already tell you the teachers I would have loved to have had sex with at 15. Oh, I forgot you're from fucking Tampa. Yeah. Dude, so I was just in South Florida for three weeks. And talk about, I think older people just like to fuck younger people down there. Because I got hit on by this 70-year-old woman while we were shooting Barmageddon. And she had that, like, Florida skin that looks like copper pennies. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just like, just that real, just melted. And yeah. she's, she's, this is fucking so Florida. She starts hitting on me. And, uh, and I'm like, you know, you're 70, so... I know I'm only on cable, but I could definitely <laughs> do better than that. You better. I could. And she goes, I don't want to fuck your great granddaughter. No, well, this is the thing. So she goes, well, I also have a daughter. And I'm like, well, if you're 70, your daughter's probably like 50. And she goes, well, I also have a granddaughter. I'm like, what do you like, one of those fucking Russian dolls? It's <laughs> just like a smaller one that just keeps <laughs> popping out. And they're like, how do I catch I just go to her granddaughter's house. Hey, uh, your Mima says we're supposed <laughs> to fuck. <so."> your <laughs> that's a southern. That's a very southern word. Yeah, but it was just like, man, dude, those older women in, in Florida, they don't let it go, man. So maybe. It starts even, you know, when they're 25, they want younger. It's, it's such a youth. Everyone's trying to look young and stay sexy Maybe and shit. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe that's what, exactly what it is. It's, it's like uh, dipping. It's like getting a little piece of that, uh, the, 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 what's fountain it? The fountain of youth. Yeah, yeah, the little 15-year-old penis fountain of youth. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, I can't imagine. I couldn't please a 17-year-old when I was 17. 
Like oh, I can't imagine. Fuck no. I can't imagine trying to fuck my wife now. Most of the I times 17. I have sex on a one night stand, I I just am aware of just how horrible I am. But how it. many how many horrible. chicks? How many chicks have you had one night stands with? Have you had a ballpark? It a lot. Like how many how many how many chicks have you had sex with? Have you had a ballpark? It. I don't know. I mean, close to a hundred. Really? Yeah. And most of them have been one night stands. No, 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 definitely not. Definitely not. It's like most of them, you've had sex with them twice. Oh wait, now I'm trying to think. <laughs> but maybe not a hundred. Maybe not a hundred. I don't know. I can't. Couldn't have all been relationships. <laughs> I each one was a six month relationship. I'm 58 years old. No, I actually now maybe it hasn't been a hundred. I don't know. It's been a lot. I'm in a relationship for four, the last four and a half years, and I just broke up. So uh, it's Why weird. Why did you break up? I don't know, man. It's it's weird. It just sort of like. You know, we'd just been together for a long time. Great girl, wonderful person. We had a great relationship. And then somehow I just was like, I don't know. I just wasn't wasn't it, ready. It wasn't going to be I the thing. I wasn't ready to make – I don't know. I just started I, – I, I'm still trying to work it out. I'm so fresh out of the thing, you know. And we kind of decided I was going to be gone for two months to shoot you know, the show. And she was just like, take those months to figure out what you want, you oh, know. Wow. And, and, and it was kind of like – but you know how it is. Jesus it's, Christ, it's I fucking you're... like this chick already. <laughs> I know. Well, on the one Take hand, your like... time. Have a good time. Well, it wasn't like that. It was oh, more it like, like fucking come back with an answer. You know? It was yeah. more like that. But you know how it is. You're shooting a show. You feel like a rock star everywhere you go. Someone's handing you an iced coffee or a fucking you know, menu. To... It's hard to really do a lot of reflecting. You know what I mean? It's you're very hard to you're do shooting... any self-reflection. Yeah, she was like, figure out what you want. Think about it. I'm like, great, I'll do that. And then I'm like, oh, I'm just drunk in front of a camera, which is my favorite thing. Thing, two of my favorite things ever five days a week in bars flirting I with do more of this flirting with <laughs> flirting with cute waitresses and i'm like drink it's like i can't i can't get myself into what do i want out of my life zone so we're just taking some time i mean i moved out as soon as i got back i had to move into a sublease oh you wait you weren't you we were living together, together yeah oh, it's been pretty weird man it's actually been it was weird because we got a dog together so oh, fuck. i had to what be a mo- dog? Uh, little cute uh, uh poodle terrier mix yeah, yeah, you can move forward well, listen to this. So this is exactly how it happened. This is how women do dog shit. So I'm out of the town last summer on the road for nine weeks. I'm back on the week, you know, a couple of days or whatever. But she's like, I miss you. I want a dog because I'm so lonely here or whatever. So she was always wanting a dog. So I'm like, I don't, don't get a dog. Don't get a dog. We just moved in there. Don't get a dog, you know. And, of course, I'm in Chicago doing the Schomburg Improv or whatever. And she goes... She sends me a picture. She goes, I just uh, fostered this little dog. Oh, She's like, we can get rid of it when you get back. We can give it back. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to come back, see this little adorable puppy. Be like, yeah, throw him in the uh, throw him in the oven. I mean, no. So we, of course, she, I fell in love with the little guy. I never had a dog before. Are you and, serious? Yeah, which is weird because I grew up in the country. I don't know how we Isn't only- your mom like a therapist? My dad's a psychiatrist and my mom is a dance therapist. Dance therapist? She does like this movement, movement dance therapy type thing. Really? I mean, at this point, they're both- basically retired but uh yeah i believe in that movement dance therapy type shit do you really yeah mostly because um <laughs> isla my youngest is dyslexic and someone told me you need to get her into crawl therapy and i said what's that and they're like did she walk before she crawled and i said yeah she only had like a uh, she barely crawled at all and just started walking and they're like yeah most kids who just start walking right away are dyslexic and they're like you need really? to do crawl therapy she she even got the Walk the crawl before you walk backwards. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're hilarious. quick, Mo. That's you're hilarious. quick. <laughs> that, yeah, she flipped that around too. Oh, you know what sucks, dude? What? When she gets a boyfriend, she's gonna have sex before she kisses the guy, and you're gonna be like, she's gonna be like Julie Roberts in uh, in in Pretty Woman. Yeah. She said she fell today. My wife left for London last night, 
and uh, she fell out of scrape both her knees. She's going to go to prom and be like, so we should probably fuck before we go to the dance, right? Because that's how it's going. do that now. And so she scraped her knees, and she's walking with me. I'm holding her hand. We're walking on campus to go to get something to uh, clean her cuts out. Yeah. And she just, I mean, these are those moments where you, you realize, like, it just broke my heart. She looks at me. Both knees are bleeding. Both hands are bleeding. She fell. And she just looks at me with, like, puppy dog eyes and goes, I'm, I think I'm coming undone. I was like, "Where the fuck is? This? Where did you come up with that?" I think I'm coming undone. Like, I like it's it's about to all shit's going down. Oh, this week, a, that is hilarious, oh, man. The kid is so goddamn fucking interesting. You're an inspiration, though, man. The, the way that I was actually meaning to, I was driving over here. I was like, "Man, something I want to say to birds." Like, you're an inspiration for you. One of the only comedians who has a great career and a lot of success, and still. Has a really seem. I, mean, I don't know you that well, or I certainly know your family at all. But seemingly like a really stable, loving family life. It's yeah. so rare. It's so rare to. Well, I to- think that's what I think. I wanted that more than I wanted to be a comedian. Yeah. Like I, I, I knew I wanted to get married and have kids in college. I, I was like, yeah, that's my path. What I do for a living, I don't know. I'd like to be a comedian. And then when I started doing comedy, I remember I stayed single for the first like ten years. Or so. I don't know how long, really. But I stayed single because I remember I was like, dude, a chick will fuck all this up for me because right. I fall in love quickly. Right, right, right. And uh, and then and then I, I think, honestly, I just found the right chick. Like, I think Leanne got it. And Yeah, I mean, she's obviously like a saint when it comes yeah. to – because you're on the road. I'm you used to be on the road constantly. I'm on the road so much. I posted a podcast last night. You should. It's only interesting to listen to to listen to how fucking in – active i am in this family is like i didn't even know my kids could take showers by themselves but see you i mean like it's unbelievable that you found a woman who was willing to do that and i remember yeah. thinking that when i when i knew you on reality bites back you were like yeah i'm on the road 48 weeks of year and then i went over to your house and i met your kids i'm like so what happens so what happens with the kid like what what, what do you do south africa i remember i came back when i did south africa back before but back when it was just sam i'm sure you met and sam. you did you get paid like a ridiculous amount of money to yeah. do it yeah me, me too it yeah. was i made $27,000 to be in South Africa for four weeks. Yeah. A total. And then I talked to people who did the next year, like, oh, yeah, I made like three grand. I was like, oh, they figured out that comics they will, to, they didn't need to do that. Yeah. <laughs> that all comics just for the flight. Yeah, they'll do it. Yeah. yeah. Um, Sam, I did it a long time. And then I was gone for, I was gone for, I, I did the, that, that, and then I, I flew and landed in Seattle and I started the Jameson tour right after South Africa and we did like two weeks back to back. This was like this is like oh eight or right? Oh nine. Yeah, yeah, probably, yeah, yeah. yeah probably oh eight. And so I came home and I woke up one morning and Georgia was must have been like five or four and I walked downstairs and Georgia said, Daddy, what the fuck are you doing here? <laughs> and I was like, Excuse me? She said, What the fuck? She said exact words. What the fuck are you doing? So you here? had to go to your wife, like, two things. I need to be home more. Yeah. <laughs> Secondly, you need to stop talking like a pirate in front of our five year old. And George was like, The fuck are you doing here? And I go, I live here. And she goes, I know, I just didn't expect to see you. It's, and I was like, Yeah, that's, this is my place. That's weird, man. I mean, but but you made it work. And that's pretty amazing. And that's kind of what, like, I've been in sort of like a little, you know, not, not like a depression the last couple of weeks, but just like, just some thoughts about it. It's like weird, man. I really felt like my life was on this path. You know, I had a girlfriend, a great girlfriend. We lived together. We had a dog. And I was like, you know, I'm 32. I'm like, we're going to, you know, I'm going to get married. I'm going to be that guy. I'm going to be that comic. And then I just, now I feel like I'm on this other path where I just sort of, like, sort of veered off, you know? Yeah. And now I'm back into who knows where. 
you know, where it's like, all right, now I got to figure out what I want to do now. But I just sort of, I, I, I didn't want to get married and do that unless I felt this burning desire to do it. Dude, it is. from everything I've heard from people, it's incredibly tough. If, you, if you're not in it, yeah. like, it's like, uh, it's like getting a fucking tattoo on your neck. You better, like, you got to really, pick. you got to trust that artist. Yeah, <laughs> like, and, and you can't just go, no one gets a tattoo on their neck like, I don't know, what do you think I should get? Like, you right. have to fucking, I want a grenade, or yeah. I want, you know? Yeah. And so, I like, I feel like I knew, I knew without a fucking doubt in my mind, I want to spend the rest of my life with this chick. I want to have kids with this chick, and I want to fucking... How how long into the relationship do you know that? Four months. And then how long? I didn't know, I mean, even up to... But you months. are from Florida, though, so I feel like you guys are just, like, a real, like, go get them kind of people. <laughs> like... Like if you know, you know, you want to marry someone, or you know they're a no, criminal no, I, right I off the bat. I didn't know I wanted to be with her, and then she dumped me. Like right. she dumped me, and when she dumped me, I went back and I said, "What do I want? I want her." And I was like, "I want her." Like I don't like all the shit that I was thinking I wanted in a girl was stuff that really didn't matter. Like it was all like tits. Um, I want I wanted blonde hair. I wanted a oh, certain. Really? I wanted tan, but because I grew up in Florida, I yeah, wanted yeah. a girl that looked like a stripper. Yeah, and so. Um, and, and Leanne doesn't look like that. She's got, she looks like Sally Fields. Yeah. So you, I was like, this isn't what my stereotypical yeah. woman was supposed to look like. And then I was like, oh, maybe it's not about what they look like. Maybe it's about who they are as people. And I was like, gosh, she really is a really great person. Like she's cool with me going on the road and she's cool with me being an artist. And she's like, those are all really important, really important. And like, that's, you have to, I mean, just, to, I always find it amazing that women, first of all, date comedians because let's oh, let's break uh, yeah. it down you're like hey so here's the deal i'm gonna be gone all the time and then when i'm when i'm on stage i'll probably say a lot of personal fucked up things about you in front of strangers but the good news is my income will constantly flux it'll always va- vacillate <laughs> and when we're at dinner i will be thinking about jokes a lot of the time and i'm a neurotic fucked up piece of shit do you want like, a relationship yeah. sometimes when you're talking i'll be talking over you in my head, I'll be going. Oh, okay. oh and I'll never find you as funny or in- as interesting as I think I am. <laughs> and if you don't give me the kind of reward I need when I say something funny, yeah. I'm going to get upset. So what do you think? Are you on board? And you know what's so weird? Girls always are. That's you know what I realized. Normal guys must be so fucking boring. They must be sitting there talking about finance, Dude. and girls want to blow their heads off. That's why they'll put up with our fucking lunacy. Have you ever seen? I've seen people. I've I've been around people that I know are just colossally boring. And yeah. you're like and and you think my brother's a lawyer. Every time I come out with him and his friends, I'm thinking like, "Oh, I'm glad I'm fucked up." Yeah. This like, is this is it's this it seems more fun than being normal. It's a, it's you know what? I I, I was I, I was in Hawaii and I was looking at couples and I was looking at them going just like, "So what's their thing? Like what do they do? Like what who makes who laugh and what Who's interesting and who's coming up with brand new ideas? And I was like looking and I was like, a lot of these people just want someone to cuddle with at the end of the night, someone that's not going to leave. Yeah. And then I went, I, and then and I was. Are you a cuddler, them. by the way? No, I, don't, I'm a, I have fucking intimacy issues. Really? And so yeah, I mean, I'll cuddle you seem for a like little a cuddly bit. guy. You're not. No. Oh, it's weird, man. Um, it drives me nuts. But like, I saw them. They're flipping the thing, the doom, 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 and they flip it, but it wasn't all fire yet. And I was like, that's what a regular relationship is, like. Just spinning the little right, baton, right, right. and then when they light it on fire, I go, "That's what I am. Like I'm the fire on the end. It's dangerous. It's not fucking safe. 
but it's fun to watch. I feel like this is a, this is a line that you're like picking up a college student with. Yeah. You know what I am, babe? I'm the fire. I'm a little dangerous. Fire. I'm but dangerous. If, I'm the dangerous. But if you don't get burned by those flames, we we'll burn all night long. Oh, I'm I, sorry. I have to go back and serve uh, coffee. I'm sorry. Oh, when my shift gets off at two. <laughs> What uh? So so, yeah. But you're still young. You can yeah. find like I look at like Sebastian just got married recently. I just I did like, guest sets for him when I was in South Florida. I, I hadn't had a chance to really see him do an hour before. It's fucking amazing. Such there's a, a lot of guys amazing. Yeah. You know whose hour I just saw the other day. I said his name earlier only because he's on the top of my, my head. Was that guy Gerard Carmichael, the guy from the store? Yeah, yeah. I like that hour. I, yeah, I, I, I Gerard's like, great. I expected to shit on it because he's young. Yeah, but yeah, I liked it. It was really good. He was. Uh, there's a lot like you can tell he's young, but for the most part, I was like, I, he wrote one joke where I was like, I was working on a bit like that. God damn it! Yeah, no, I mean, the, 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 you see it, you hear his mind work, and you're like, that's that's the ingredients that it takes. Yeah, you know, I mean, that will blossom to something incredible. I'm dying to see Ari's uh, hour. Oh yeah, it's gonna be great, dude. Uh, there's so many people. We were talking. You were talking about whether to do an hour or not to do an hour. Well, I'm like totally ready to do it. I just, it's just like it's depressing. You have all this material, but then you're like, how do you get? You know, it used to be like when I started comedy, I thought, okay, you know, you do a you do a half hour, and then you're like famous. You know what I mean? And then I did a half hour at Comedy Central, and then it was like, all right, some comedians know who I am at this point. But you know, okay, this is actually brings us back to what we were saying about being nice to your crew when you're hosting a show and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. What I think was very important on this show that I just did um, is it was the third show that I've done now. You know, like I did eight episodes of Reality Bites Back with you, and I, I saw how that didn't really change my career. Then I got, I was on one of the stars of the sitcom on NBC. We shot eight episodes, got canceled immediately. I realized how that That's didn't. Where you were an agent, right? Yeah, it was free agents. Yeah, free we were agents. Uh, PR agents, Hank Azaria and Al Madrigal, you know, the whole thing. And I realized that didn't change my career, but also both shows kind of tanked. And so coming into this one, it was like, I wasn't. Because the the crew kept saying like, "Oh, it's cool. You're not like a douchebag. Like usually the talent on these shows can be like kind of arrogant and a douchebag." And I was like, "This isn't my first rodeo. Like I've seen how these things can just yeah. bomb and go nowhere. I'm grateful for the opportunity. Dude. And we've already shot nine episodes. That puts me one ahead of the last two shows, which hit eight. So it's already kind of a victory. It's, they don't. I don't think. I I I have known uh, talent who's not who's whose first project just took off and they were fucking amazing. Yeah. And you're just like you're like wow. And I think they, I think they believe, and I'm not to shit on anyone, but like I think they believe they've got the Midas touch, where they were like destined for this. So and, much luck, it's just it's insane. So luck, but like I, I, I have done to date probably forty, thirty pilots, and and I've had, I'm gonna say seven TV shows. Yeah, I've had all my TV shows have failed. Like I remember when I got my first TV show got canceled. Mark Cronin, who is by the way one of the most successful guys in cable television ever history, Mark Cronin told me, uh, "Don't get all broken up about this. All shows get canceled." And I was yeah. like, "What?" He was like, "Every show." He goes, "Friends will get canceled. Like every show gets canceled, and you got to be comfortable with the failure." I got so comfortable with the failure that I don't like success. Like. Too much success makes me nervous because then I start seeing people go, like take shots at you. Like when Dane got really hot, yeah. Like everyone started taking shots at you, and in my head, I'm like, as long as you're failing, everyone loves you, right? And and it's I, and I haven't been. Failing. You know what's the whole thing? The comics comic. 
that everyone, oh, yeah. he's a comics comic. Yeah, he's a comic comic that everybody loves because they don't feel threatened by him because he has no career. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. It's like I never wanted to be that guy. I wanted to, and but and then and, you know now I've been on Travel Channel so long and it's such a small stage in a weird way. You know, it's it's not it's not um, a movie and it's not a sitcom. It is you know it's we're Travel Channel is a mom and pop organization run by family. It's a, it's a really interesting. I, no one's really related, but I talked about it with this guy Josh Temple. He works with the same group of people, and it's like you really feel like it's – they don't call your agent. They call you up. Hey, Bert, you want to host uh, Travel Channel Stars? I go, yeah. All right, cool. We'll send the paperwork forward. And yeah. then – and you know, and I'm in a deal there, so like my I've already agreed for a rate, so I don't – you know, it's just – but that's the way it works there. And it's the greatest. It's the fucking greatest. And you get into a network like True TV, and then they start going, hey, man, do you want to do voiceover for a show? And yeah. they're like, fuck yeah. Yeah. And they're like, all right. And then I know. It's already like- happened. They already had me on this other show that's that's on now called uh, How to Be a Grown-Up. They came in there and did like four episodes. It's like, yeah, it's the same thing. It's like – and I feel like they're – if you're easy to work with and you're really and you're in that's what thankful, I, that's what I was trying to come back to is that yeah. you come at it as I mean and comics are like this and I think this is why comics, comics get it because we, we have paid gone our dues paid our dues man. and it's like it's like dude the by the way and and networks should know this our getting on their network is like a fucking tentpole event in our life yeah like. Just getting an opportunity. It's a beautiful to do way to put it. It's absolutely true. You know, and, even if it's a small channel, it doesn't matter. Someone's investing a couple million dollars in your face. Yes. I mean, that's a who. That's not a lot of people can say that. And when other people, when just and I'm not shitting on just talent, like because Adam Richmond's a good friend of mine, and he is. He didn't just come from a stand-up. He was an actor, or like oh, Josh didn't come from very, stand-up. very highly trained actor. Yeah. Because yeah. my I, my showrunner is a friends with Adam Richmond, and uh, she went to they went to the same like theater school in Chicago. He's it's, a really talented. Yeah, actor. yeah, no, without a doubt. And but like but like th- those comics come at it from so such a like. Just thankful to be here, working, doing guest sets for free, doing seven minute spots yeah. for thirteen dollars at the improv. Yeah. You know, going on the road for seven hundred bucks as a feature act where you gotta pay for your own fucking flight. Well that was was funny because some of the uh a couple producers I remember one time we were in a hotel uh when we were shooting Barbara and they were like, Ah, oh, this hotel sucks. I was like, Oh, really? It's better than where they put me up when I do the fucking funny bone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like yeah. That. You know what I mean? I remember, like- I remember the first time they did that on Bert the Conqueror. They put us in this, uh, we went to Cedar Point. I'm not shitting on Cedar Point, by the way, at all. I love Cedar Point. But Cedar Point put us in like staff housing, which was, it was fine. It wasn't like, but it wasn't like a five-star yeah. hotel. By the way, I had just come from the Tempe fucking uh, condo. <laughs> so I had been where Ralphie May had been sleeping the night before. <laughs> so I went into this place like, nice. I go, who do I have to share it with? They're yeah. like, nobody. I'm like, fuck yeah. This is like five stars. I know, dude. There were two bedrooms. I put my suitcase in one bedroom and I slept in the and other. You're like, they don't understand how low level showbiz is with, when you're a stand-up comic. Even you're headlining the club. They're yeah. like, so what is that experience like? Well, you fly in, uh, some giant fat fry cook picks you up at the hotel with his stuff in the back because his wife kicked him out last week so he's sleeping in his car no one knows you you have to prove yourself all fucking weekend and then maybe sunday night someone on the staff goes you know what you're pretty funny yeah exactly and then you gotta pray to god that the rest of their tasting comics are guys you like and they're not like you remind me of that ventriloquist we had it last week and you're like i'm not shitting on jeff oh Bonham, god but, like, dude i heard bobby slayton say the funniest shit one time uh he was on the radio and some woman called in and uh and this is not a dig at house 
Sparks because I don't even know how. But this is what Bobby Slayton says. A quote. She goes, "Oh, Bobby, I really want to come see your show. Can I get free tickets?" She won free tickets. She goes, "She goes, oh, I can't wait to see you. I fucking love your comedy. I went and saw Hal Sparks last week. He was hilarious." And he goes, "That's like saying you love Italian food and then tell me you just dined at the Olive Garden." <laughs> Obviously, and Hal Sparks are extremely different people. <laughs> extremely different people. <laughs> that is yeah, very different. Hilarious. I, Bobby Slayton kills me because he did this thing to, oh, who the fuck was he working with? I think it was Patrick Melton. Do you know Patrick Melton? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And every time he saw him, he'd be like, uh, ah, oh, you fat fucking piece <laughs> of shit. And Patrick would be like, at first he was breaking his balls, but like by Friday, he was like, every time. Like he walk into the green room, he's like, "Oh, you the fucking fat piece of shits here, oh motherfucker!" And just nonstop, nonstop. And by the end of the week, was this in Philly? No, it was in Florida. I want to say it was in Florida. It might, yeah. might have been Philly. I don't know. But at the end of the week, and and Bobby Slayton wouldn't let him drive in the same car. Like he was like, "I go, I go by myself. The fat fucking piece of shit should walk. You could use the walk, fat fuck." Fuck. And so like the whole week, just hammering him. And at my Sunday, Patrick Melton is like fucking had it he's like i'm done i can't deal with this guy and he sees him in the elevator to go down and patrick's like and and, and uh probably just goes hey and he's like hey and he's like you gonna ride you gonna ride with us in the car to uh the club and patrick's like waiting for it and he's like yeah i i no, i was gonna walk he's like no you should ride with us and so the car shows up and i think someone from the club's driving it i think it's casey and then patrick uh bobby goes you want to sit up front and he goes, sure. So Patrick sits up front. Bobby sits in the back. And they start driving. He goes, I bet you like that, you fat fucking piece <laughs> of shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. Set him up. It was like, I, by the way, I know every time I hear a great story from comics, and I did this with Ben Bailey the other day, I fucked the story up so bad in my head, and I just get to the thing that made me laugh about it. Like the thing, I, I thought you timed that shit perfectly. But I'm sure it's very. I'm gonna. I know Patrick's gonna be like, dude. Now you gotta have me on your podcast so I can tell that story properly. Yeah. I'd have Bobby Bobby Slayton. Bobby Slayton's interesting. He called me one time. I was like, random as fuck. I'm sitting in Clearwater, Florida, at our beach house, and he calls me. I, my phone rings, and it's like a Vegas number or something. And I go, I go, hello, and he goes, Bert Kreischer, Bobby Slayton, and I went, hi, and he goes, I know you don't know me. I show sure you heard of me. And I was like, I was like, yeah, I have. I go, I'm. I I, I love the confidence of that intro yeah. to the conversation. Yeah, I've when I hit up like comics on Facebook or I see run rooms, I always want to say that, but I'm like, what if they haven't heard of me? And they're like, oh, I I think I think I'm so bad at it. Like I believe, I believe no one's heard of me. And then when people hate me, I'm like, wait, you know who I am? <laughs> yeah, no, there's there's definitely like a girl once tweeted at me, you suck. After a show in Sacramento. So I went and looked at her Twitter thing. <laughs> she had no followers. She had just signed up to Twitter to tell me I suck. I took it as a compliment. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like, no. that's, a, that's, I mean, that was, a, I really affected her. You know she what I mean? She had to give her email address to this. Yeah, she had to fucking sign up. She had to check a box. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's a lot Slayton. of effort. When Bobby Slayton, I think, I get a kick out of that guy. And oh, then yeah. he talked to me. He's like, oh, I got a club in, in Vegas. I asked around. I heard you're the guy that's killing it. You want to do it? And I was like, yeah. And he goes, I'm not negotiating money with you. It's two grand. And I was like, at the time, it was like good money. And I was like, I'm in. He's like, two grand, put you up, eat for free. It was at Hooters. Yeah. I go, I fucking, Hooters is my favorite restaurant ever. That's just the most Tampa thing you could have possibly said. It is the most Tampa thing. Yeah. That's that's actually, is that, I think that is the motto of Tampa. It is where Hooters Hooters started. 
Is it? Yep. Oh, okay, there Hooters you go. started in Tampa. Of and course. so I remember when it came out, and I remember going there with my uncles, and the <laughs> looks on my dad's and uncle's faces, and they're like, are you fucking kidding me? And then I was like, hmm. And then I, it was the first spicy food I ever tasted, and I tried their wings, and I was like, oh, I love them. Dude, when I was on a, I was on a uh, journalist, journal, uh, no, journal club field trip in high school as a sophomore in, in Tempe, Arizona, and I went into a Hooters for the first time just so I could steal a menu because I wanted to put it up on my wall back in my house. And I was like milling around. I'm the worst criminal of all time. Like I was just like, <laughs> like you know, I was freaking out. And the girls were looking at me like, is this kid like going to, is he like jerking off? What's he doing? Like I was just sweating. I was like going crazy. And then I just grabbed one of those things that like, just a little thing that stands up on the table that says like wings yeah. and ran out. Doesn't even have a picture of the girls on her or anything. It's just like a stupid <laughs> thing. But I just like ran out. They must be like, what the fuck was that? What kind of dare did that? What kind of oh. fraternity is that kid trying to join? But anyway, so one time I was in a Hooters with Shane Moss. You know that comic? Shane Moss makes me laugh harder than any individual Dude, in the world. We, I was doing Stanford and Sons in KC. Is this when he was drinking? Yeah, and oh. he was doing. Uh, By the way, I told him I was, like, I was like, "You're." I was like, "You can't be that bad when you're drinking." And apparently, apparently he's a disaster. Yeah, uh, apparently, like, like I've, not, I've, I. He said that to me. He said it. I'm a disaster when I drink, and I was like impossible you're the sweetest guy in the fucking world and then uh, and then like a bunch of people that comics had heard it they're like no 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 like, you no do joke. not yeah, know it's no joke so we were eating we were in uh there was one place that was opening you know comedy clubs are always in these fucking malls that close like you so early so we went to hooters and shane just said the funniest thing he was like we were just eating like a uh, fajita or something he's like I like Hooters. The only thing I don't like is the rule where they don't let the waitresses go to the gym. (laughs) (laughs) And it was so true of that fucking rural KC Hooters. He is so fucking fun. He did a podcast with me. Yeah. And I, and he just, he's just gotten back to LA after breaking his heels. Oh, that's right. A poor, like, how do you even? Ugh, that's, yeah, he that's makes crazy. me laugh. And I played it when I went to New Zealand. I went to New Zealand right after that, and I was in the car with a bunch of people. And I said, someone said something. My travelers were like, "Yeah, so what's up with your podcast?" And I was like, "Oh, we'll put it on. We're dri- we had like an hour drive, so I put on the one with Shane Moss." And I mean, the whole fucking car was laughing hysterically. He's an interesting fucking guy. Totally weird. He there's a certain he definitely, there's a certain he's got a weirdness. Yeah, there's a certain kind of comedian that is just like when you talk to them off stage, you wouldn't expect them to be a stand up comic. Like I think me and you, if people meet us and they find out we're stand up comics, like oh yeah, I get it. You're loud. You clearly think you're yes. like really charming and funny. I, I, I could see why you would do this. But then there's another group of people. Where you're like oh, I would think you'd just be like a weird grocery store owner in like Wisconsin. I'm like uh, Todd Berry. Todd Berry. Well, he looks funny though. Todd Berry. Like if Todd Berry, I've always thought this. I was. I remember being very jealous of Todd Berry when I first started. Not for like. Not not like. Well, you guys have identical styles and fan bases. No, we're both from Florida. (laughs) Oh, that's right. Yeah, and so I had a. You know, you have a real connection with the people that started. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Where you came out of, like, like Todd Berry was from Florida. Mitch Hedberg was from Florida, and uh, Tom Rhodes. Tom Rhodes was from Florida, and they were the guys I like. Like I sought them out. Yeah, and so I met Todd, and uh, and I remember being like jealous. I was jealous that I was like, I'll never have this. He had the confidence in himself to get into stand up when I'm certain, like the whole party wasn't like Todd. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Put your shirt back yeah. on. How about you that? Be a comedian. How about that, Donnell Rollins? Did anyone ever tell Todd Barry that he's funny? I bet even his own mom didn't say that. <laughs> 
By the way, I want to clear up. I have no beef with Donald Rollins right now. I don't want him to see me at the improv. Like, oh, you still think you can fight me? I did make it clear that I thought you would win. I just said I wasn't terrified of you. And I should also clarify, I've lost about 25 pounds since that exchange. Now it might be. Uh, now I might be a little scareder. Wait, are you, I've lost look, 20 pounds in the last year. Really? Yeah. You look good. Are you just not lifting weights? No, on purpose I've lost weight. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, you, I, you were always muscular. Yeah, yeah. I've tried to like just, I don't know, whatever. The point is, Donnell, we're, yeah. good. We're, we're good, right? But I remember looking at Todd going like, that's th- that guy believed in himself. Yeah. I didn't have, like I was just the loud guy at a party. Yeah. Everyone was like, you should be a comedian. I loved having this conversation with you because it's clear we both have the exact same degree of ADD because I keep fucking zipping around, you're zipping around, but we're able to find our way back. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, it's I, like he doesn't listening even- Listening to this podcast must be a fucking nightmare because <laughs> we are, uh, we have started four or five different stories. Someone described my comedy one time. Uh, you know, like sometimes you read these little like, you know, reviews of your whatever and, 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 I, and you I, should no, never do that. No, I don't. I stopped doing that. Yeah, you should never do that. But one of them I read up in my CD it wasn't necessarily a compliment, but I just thought it was an interesting way they put it. They wrote, listening to Mo Mandel's CD is like looking at one of those FBI charts where there's just random clues tacked all over the board. <laughs> and if you really look at it, you realize compliment. it all is kind of about this. It is leading to something, but it's very random. That's, that's not a bad compliment. It wasn't the worst compliment in the world. The, the, the best insult I ever got. It was from the AV Club, the Onion AV Club. And so this pops up every city that I go tour in. They'll throw up this fucking review that's been up there for like six years. I guess the guy watched my Comedy Central special. He goes, he totally disses me. But then he says this again. Mo Mandel's this, 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 da, da, da. He's basically like a young Brian Regan. It's like, oh. Take it. That's the greatest compliment you could have. Why didn't you just start out with that? Basically like a young Brian I was Regan. like, so I'm like a young Hugely talented, amazing comedian, yeah. which I'm not anywhere near as talented I, I as. Take, I take that compliment. Yeah, so it's so funny. So I was like, oh, so you just like different things than I like because everything that you're saying is leading up to a compliment well, that's, it's that you to, think is an insult. It's hard to take anyone's review of anything oh, yeah, accurately sure. because they either like what you do and review it positively or automatically know they're not going to like what you do. It's like, I, like and I'll use Jim I actually, Ross. I have to disagree with you, though. I think I did get one, re- one review that I thought was was exactly accurate. After I did Conan, somebody wrote on the Conan blog website, horrible set, douchebag, go get a rope and hang yourself. So that one I feel like, all right, the guy really nailed it. You know? Yeah, the guy, <laughs> the guy. I mean, it's hard to refute he that. He gets argument. my voice. Uh, the, uh, I, Ger- Ger- Gerard Carmichael, yeah. uh, like, I can see people automatically disliking him because he's young and he's not like, and he's not, Stereotypically, what like he's not high energy, he's low energy. Yeah, like I can see people tearing it apart because it isn't what they planned on it being, and I can see people applauding it because it automatically isn't what they were expecting. And so there, it's so hard to judge anything. I look at reviews and I try to find the one like I don't I don't look at reviews anymore. Like my book got reviewed, like the first three reviews were like through the fucking roof, and my wife's like, yeah, and all I knew was. Bad ones right around the corner. Right, right, right. And so I refused to read any of the three reviews. So I was like, because if I read those, then I got to give the same weight to the bad ones. Absolutely. A hundred percent. Yeah. And it's, it's all like, it's all bullshit. It's like if you have an audition that you thought went great and then you had, like, you know, sometimes you walk out of these auditions, you think, oh, they, they love me. They love me. You know, you pilot season, you know, especially like a year ago, I would audition for like 40 pilots, you know. And I remember talking to another friend of mine who had gone out for all those pilots. And we were, I was like, so what was your best audition? He's like, oh, this one. I was like, oh, me too. What was your worst one? This one. Oh, me too. And I realized 
It had nothing to do with what we were doing. That's how the producers act. Yeah. They just they just act like you do a great job. Nothing to do with yeah. what you did. It's yeah. just it's the same thing with reviews. It's like it's just a thing and you can if it's a good one, you're like, I earned that. It's a bad one, you're like, they don't get me. No, yeah. neither of them get you. You know, it's just fucking what it is. I there was a review, the last review I ever read was on my hour special, uh, and it was over in England and it was extremely accurate. It was there were like what he said was so fucking accurate and i was like hmm was, was it was it negative or positive it was negative it's very yeah. negative and I, he was like it seems like Kreischer wrote these bits six years ago and is still performing them and i was like yeah and he's like because some of the punch lines seem a little lazy and i was like yeah and he was like <laughs> he's like i mean there you see some real brilliance but for the most part like He'll like I had this joke about this doctor giving Leanne a, an episiotomy, a black doctor, and when he went to go stitch her up, he's like, he's like, I find the I, I'm sure I'm skewing the review to the way I want to remember it, but he's like, I find the material insightful, but the very last word he says is so hacky, I have to discount all of it, and it was so fucking accurate. Is the doctor? It was a whole story, a true story about the birth of Georgia, and then the doctor gives her an episiotomy, and I didn't know what that was. And then when it is, you know, it's when they blow out the taint. Yeah. And when he when he starts stitching her, and I was really proud of this writing, was that I said, uh, I said, um, he does it. And I said, are we going to put that back together? And he said, of course I am. I was like, well, do you want to take a look at my junk before you start stitching? Or are we just going to ballpark this on the handshake? <laughs> and he was like, I do this every day, boy. What you worried about? And I go, I'm worried you've never seen a white one. And then. I just took one of my favorite lines and then followed it by the dumbest fucking line. As a matter of fact, you're out of here. Bring in the Asian doctor. And then why? Right, why right, the fuck would right, I do that? Because right. you it, wanted to get, you wanted to get, you want to make sure you got 100 percent of the crowd. Yeah, and I'm just like, God damn it, this guy's totally fucking accurate. Right. I'm, I have good writing followed by very lazy writing, and so I'm like, I, I, I literally. Have you know a what's hard interesting? Time. I remember one thing that you said to me uh, when we were doing Reality Bites back at one point. One other thing that you said, and and uh, you really wanted. I think because you, you kind of got the sense that I was the youngest. Most, well, I wasn't the youngest, but I was definitely the least experienced comic. You were, you were the youngest. Yeah. I, well, maybe Schumer, I think, is younger than me. But, I mean, like, I was definitely, like, the newbie to that. To that, to, that was the first TV thing I'd ever done, really. Yeah. I remember you said, do you want to be rich or a great comedian? Like, do you want to be successful and rich and famous, or do you want all your peers that think you're funny? And you said, like, I, you said about yourself, I would rather people just think I'm funny and be a great comedian. And I remember other comedians in the car uh, being like, well, I'd rather be rich. And I remember just being like, you know, I was still at this point, and, and maybe I'm not even not still there with this naive, naivety where it's like, I think you, if you are a great comedian and your peers respect you, you, you do ultimately end up being heavy money uh, I don't know I don't know that that's not true I don't know if you get rich and it might take 25 years and be, you have to be Bill Burr but I mean I, think, I don't think it's not but I mean, it's always it's an interesting thing because there is an element of that you know and it's kind of like when you get offered a hosting thing or something if it's not what you want to do you're like huh is this you know is this my voice? Is this my journey? You know, what do I really want to do? And I think Can I do you, this for ten years? Yeah, you know, and you have to keep. And not only that, because that's just like, what do you actually enjoy doing? But like, why did I move to LA? Why did I? Why did I first pick up a pen and start writing jokes? What did I want? But then the problem is, man, you look at some of these comics you respect the most; their lives are fucking miserable. And you're like, I don't want, I don't want to sacrifice everything for my art. Yeah, I, I just don't. 
You know, I used to want to be a novelist. I wrote a novel, and I realized like this is a fucking great way to kill yourself. You spend fucking four hour, four months by yourself mining the depths of your pain, yeah. and at the end of writing that novel, I was like, mm, I don't know if I ever want to do that again. This is the most depressing <laughs> time I've ever had in my life. And then you were like Dostoevsky, all these guys who I fucking like, Notes from the Underground is my favorite books of all time. You read these guys' lives, they're fucking miserable. Yeah, and like I, that's not worth it. I'd rather I'd rather host a fun TV show, put out a couple great hours, you know, fun hours, have a good life, make some people laugh, sell. <laughs> Some CDs, the improv, yeah. shots still. Yeah, still do shots. Be happy. You know what? I don't need to fucking change the world, but I want to make people laugh and have fun, sell some shirts. <laughs> oh. I really feel that way now. I, I was so angsty my whole life. I wanted to be a writer. I, mean, I, don't know, I am a writer still, but I, I, I've changed it up. I, now I'm like, I want to write some big, big fun movies. Sell, you know, get a TV show with myself. I, I don't need to write the great dark yeah. and I'm sure a lot of people who are hearing me, who I'm sure could easily say the same thing that that review said about your act, about my act, would be like, yeah. You had you don't have it in you to be to write a novel, this and that. And I don't think people really see that side of me because I've kind of decided I'm not going to give it all my energy anymore. Yeah, you know, well, you can't. I, I like what you say. It's uh, find out what you want. I like do what do I want? I want to be on Travel Channel for 15 years or 20 or as long as it'll keep me. Yeah. I want to do a sitcom. I'd like to do a sitcom. I'd like to do a sitcom creatively just to do one. I think it's one of those things I I, I would like to do. Yeah. Creatively, it would make me feel, feel fulfilled. I said I wanted to write a book. I did it, and. Uh, and I maybe I'll write another one, but it's not that's not on the front of my burners. And like I'd like to do, I'd like to sell a movie only to say I sold a movie. Right. Like I don't really, I'm not, I can't get emotionally invested in it because I can't. I don't have four years to give to a fucking movie. Like, but I don't, I don't need to be a movie star. I don't need to be an actor in that capacity. Like, you know what you want. Oh, but my main thing is like, and I, I don't even like. I just want. I want to go on and be able, still be able to do amazing fucking radio in cities and then go do killer fucking shows and then have people be like discovering me. Yeah. Like I love stand up. I love the fucking it's so great. Oh, it it is best. so great. I fucking when I, when I was doing uh you know it's it, it's so funny. It's like you you just if you get it you get it. You know like like the crew when we were shooting um Again, which, by the way, I got to say, the last two months of my life when I was shooting that TV show, the, be- the best two months of my life, I think, like yeah. in-, in career ways, in- especially in a career way. And I'm sure this is not exactly what my girlfriend wanted to hear the last two months. Of my life. But in a certain regard, you need to find yourself. You're like, I found myself. No, I mean, and he's happier. But but no, but it's like it is as a, in a career thing. Those were definitely the happiest months I've ever had in show business of any regard. You yeah. know, but when we would get done on like we'd have one day off, I was racing around town on my own dime, taking cabs around the city, doing like four stand up sets. And they'd be like, "What are you doing?" They're like, "So how much you get paid?" And I'm like. Uh, I think I lost ninety seven dollars in cab rides. It's not. It's not. It's not yeah, about that. It has nothing to do with that. It's, it's just they're like, so why did you you have to like work out a bit? It's like, I mean, I, I just that's all I wanted to do. It's like you you really want you you feed off it, you know. And it's like that that I'd say is one of my goals that I would love, and, and I'm envious of of the way that you've been able to build up a real fan base, and 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 I and I want that. I want people who want to come see me it's, do it's great when what you have people, I want to do. It's great when you have people that want to see what you do. Exactly. I mean, because there's a few people always show up. But like over the last few years, I had a little bit of a fan base off Chelsea lately. But they were not people who want to see what I want to do. It'd be girls who yeah. thought I was good looking and they wanted to see me just be charming and fun. And then I'd be like... And they're like, oh, this guy's a fucking – he's doing jokes about killing himself in front of his therapist. <laughs> like, I don't know if this is what I thought it was going to be. I would, I would have morphed into whatever they wanted me to be. I would have been like – that's why I'm glad I never got on Last Comic Standing. Because had I got on, on Last Comic Standing and gotten to the house when Gary v- Goldman in that era – because Gary was older. I was too young. I would have then 
turned into whatever they thought I was, yeah. and I would have done that as opposed to being able to find out who the fuck I am and doing that. I probably, I sometimes think like maybe I should have done that. Maybe I should have just, because there were people coming to see me for a while off that shell thing. Maybe I should have just, been, but I didn't really know how to do that. And also I was like, well, if I'm not doing what I want as a stand up, why don't I just become a lawyer or something? Yeah. Like, because uh, this is supposed to be my, my freeing artistic thing. Oh, I talked to Michael Rotenberg, who was like Chelsea Handler's manager, Chris Rock's original manager, all that. And he said, I was talking to him, he's like, you know, the reason that Chelsea's so successful on that show is she gets guys like you on there to say edgy, fucked up shit that she doesn't want to say. And that's why it keeps it edgy, but she does not have to be the one to say it. And he goes, eventually, if you want to get famous, I was writing jokes for George Lopez at the time, who was Michael was repping, uh, just for like a week on this crazy like dating show disaster. And he goes, if you ever really want to get big, you have to decide there's a lot of things you're not going to say because you'll lose people. It's amazing. It's amazing. And I, I, that has been the hardest lesson for me to learn as a comedian. Uh, and I still, and I still haven't learned it. I've learned it. I've learned it a little bit, I, but I still fuck up. But like, cause like, you, sometimes you just get in the middle of a moment, and you're like, "I got this," and then you say something fucking outrageous. You're like, "Whoo, I did not." Or you know, it's funny as shit. Like that's the problem. D- you know, you think of something that is just so fucking technically perfectly funny, and the yeah. logic is there. But that's not what they're taking away from it. They're taking away that you just said something about anorexia, or you just said something racist, or you just said something that. Yeah. They're not looking at the artistry of the joke, or they're not understanding that you're just in it because you think it's funny. That's and that's the whole. And, point, and that's the that- problem. If if I ever say something to offend anybody, they need to understand that my only goal was to make them laugh. And right. if I didn't do it, I'm sorry. And if I did the exact opposite, then, and they and, might laugh. But the problem is, then the, you you're not you're no longer the comedian they want to root for. Yep, that's you why lose. Just, yeah, that, it's that's tough. why I'm only doing like I feel like I'm only doing very personal stuff because I go, hey, it's, this is all about me. You yeah. can't. This is my path. Yeah, like you know, like the, some girl in my documentary, some girl got offended because I had a joke about my wife farting during sex, and she just hated me. She goes, I hate what you stand for. And I was like, wait, this is about me. Like, what is it? And she's like, how dare you say that? And I was like, how, that, that's me. That happened in my life. My wife's cool with it. We're good. You shouldn't be offended for shit that happened to me. Right. Like, that, like you, gotta, you can't do that. You can't. I can't. I can't tell you. I tried to kill myself, and then you get you get offended that I tried to kill myself. Right. Like I, I, that was me. I you can't fucking deny. Right. That. I mean, it, it, that is the safest way to do it, and, and the best way to do it. If you're only talking about yourself, just talk about you. That's yeah. now what I do. But like, see, I got into stand up because I want to avoid having to get to know myself Tosh, and my emotions. Tosh, so <laughs> Tosh is Tosh said to me one night we were doing a show, and he goes, "Because what's so interesting is you want them to know who you are," and I said, "Yeah." And he goes, "I I don't want them to know me at all." And I was like, what? And he was like, I want them to know less than nothing about me. And I was like, oh, my God. I'll tell them, like, secrets that aren't even funny just because that makes me feel happy that they know a secret about me. And he's like, you're out of your fucking mind. Like, I, my- <laughs> I could totally see Tosh feeling that way, too, because he is one of those guys who get up there, and, and he's one of my absolute favorite comedians. And he's I, one and of my I, absolute and favorite And I never understand too. Why he can remain so likable, saying the worst shit, and I'll feel like if I, because I always think of myself, if I was to break down the two best examples of what I'm trying to do combined would be Bill Burr and like Daniel Tosh. Well, it's feel- so that's so interesting because even Bill, you feel like you know him because he's so raw and honest on stage. But he doesn't tell you shit about him. He doesn't like on stage. He doesn't talk about like he'll tell you like growing up. 
but it's a, it's more of a broad stroke. He doesn't get like I haven't seen him do stand up in a while. I shouldn't even. No, he he he. I mean, he he can he can talk about himself, but he talks more about his opinions on things. Right. Not you're right. Not like his day to day exists or stories. Like a lot of stories, you know, a lot of it starts out with a story and then it becomes like his philosophy on something. Yeah, like, and I wish I could do more of that. I love when he does. Di- you got to have opinions something. on stuff. I, 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 this That's man, the, yeah. I, Camus Winston. I go back and forth. <laughs> is the, what's wrong with this kid? And then maybe he's just this savant. Maybe he's just maybe he's just so pure, just <laughs> like just like you know, like Billy Crudup and Jesus's son that he just doesn't like. He's like, oh, how did I get into this? And then I just I go back and forth with this kid. Thank God I've never said anything like one way or the other on stage because I fucking if I meet him I want to be like, hey man, big fan. <laughs> Wait, which kid? Who? Jameis Winston. Who's the quarterback from Florida State that oh. uh, had a rape accusation and then stole crab legs? Sigur and I were talking about it the other day. Like, I, like I've never – I the fucking catcalling. All I know is I've never catcalled a fucking person in my life. That's yeah. all I can say about that because I've never done it. I've never had the balls to do it, let alone yeah. like – thank God I never had the balls to do it because apparently it's offensive as fuck. I could never pull it off. I could never be like – oh, I just – I see that and I'm like, who the fuck? Well, what I thought was funny was the uh, – but Bill well, Burr will have a solid. He'll have a solid. Yeah, he'll have a solid thought about it, and it's uh, like, and, and he'll know his stance, yeah. and he'll go off on his stance. Yeah. What's even better is he forms these opinions on his fucking podcast. I know, and that's what's amazing. That when you really listen to it, you're like, oh shit, you don't just like not have shit to say. <laughs> he always has shit to say. Yeah. All right, I gotta go. I gotta go to Turkey Trot with my daughter. Oh boy, solid hour thirty, Mo. This has been blast. Um, let's do it again. I would love to. Like, because there's a few guys that I could, like, Segura and Joey and Ari, that I could, like, I could just sit and talk to forever. And I could totally talk to you. Like, Dude, this is. I didn't even feel like we, we didn't scratch the surface. We didn't scratch the surface. Let's come back. I'm, hey, I'm around for, like, three weeks. Why don't, why don't you come back, like, like, next week and we'll just log another one and I'll put it up in. I'm going to Mexico on Friday. I'm back on the 29th. Let's do it the, that week. Perfect. Uh, just, you know. My show comes out December 3rd, True TV, 10 o'clock. Nice. Armageddon. Nice plug. What's your at Mo Mandel? At Mo Mandel, yeah. And what's your podcast? Um, I haven't been doing it that much these days, but it's Mo vs. the World. I have a, com- a comedian on, and we go through different topics, and I challenge them to be funnier than me. And then I have the audience tweet in who they think was the, the funniest on the podcast. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Um, it's so good seeing you, Mo. You too, it's man. It's so good seeing you fucking mature into like a grown man. I mean, when we did that, you were like, what, 24? I was young, yeah. God, you're fucking. I'm glad I know you, Mo. I'm glad. I'm glad I know you, and, and I'm glad I've squashed my beef with Donnell on this podcast. And he, and he gets that I'm that I was mostly just bluffing. You name your next album it should be. Well, I'm gonna. T- I should title this "Burning Bridges with the with the Reality Bites Back Crew." <laughs> no, there was no bridge to burn. I think at the most, Donnell, maybe we had a little tightrope I could have possibly walked oh, you over. Had a, you had a bridges of Madison County. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Bo. I appreciate it. This episode was brought to you by The Machine.